see how your love has guided me even when i've done wrong you never left me alone but you forgave me and you kept on blessing this i recall to my mind ever i have hope it's because of your mercy that we are not consumed because thy compassions fail not they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness great is thy faith You've been, you've been so faithful. You've 
of the hour, uh, Dr. Jackson. Uh, Dr. Jackson, I believe God has called him many years ago uh, into uh, ministry. And um, one of the things that I've realized over the years is that sometimes when we ignore our calling, um, your life will be very miserable. Very miserable. But when you accept the call and you respond to the call as in Isaiah chapter 6, when you heard that call, uh, who shall go for us? Who will represent us? And Jackson says, here are we, send us. Um, I have seen the ministry of um, the Jacksons um, meet ministry explode and expand. And they have been a blessing uh, to my family and uh, my ministry uh, there in Montreal. And I've seen many miracles, and you're going to be hearing many miracles that has occurred as a result of someone that was willing to be used by God. We know all glory and all honor goes to God, but it is a great thing when we respond to the call of God. And so uh, it gives me great joy to introduce to you the Jacksons, not the Jacksons Five. <laughs> This is two Jacksons, the Jacksons two, <laughs> that is filled with the Holy Ghost, ready to be used. Now, Sister Jackson is in the audience. Where is Sister Jackson? Oh, she's in the back, all right. But I'd like to welcome Dr. Jackson. Thank you. Welcome to Abundant Life, sir. Thank you, Welcome Pastor. to Sin City. <laughs> Amen. And I want to encourage you uh, to please come on out. Uh, you will be blessed as a result of what you will hear uh, from your servant. Now, after the meditation uh, by our church, uh, the next voice that you will hear is that of Dr. Thomas Jackson.
say amen. amen. I also would like to thank God that we are here this morning amen. in the land of the living. Amen. And as I say, my bride from my side, my lovely wife, as I shared last night, 41 years. Uh, in this day of age, where the family is under attack, I thank God has kept our backs. And so a couple things I'd like for you to do for me. Number one, I'd like for you to pray. Number two, I'd like for you to pray that God put his thoughts into my mind. And finally, I want you to think as we study together. What did I say? What else? What else? God wants us to think. He wants us to understand with clarity his divine will. And he will give us a sense of peace. But God has created you and I with the ability to discriminate between truth and error, between right and wrong, and to reason from cause to effect. We want to think this morning. Amen? We've been here for a little while. And in the study, the I said, what time should we finish? 
The pastor said, well, 12.30. Look at your clock. So therefore, I ask God to modify what we're going to talk about. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, it is not the length of time we've been here because, Father, what is a few hours in light of eternity? And now, Lord, we need your presence to, to keep our minds alert. For, Lord, there's nothing more important to understand your perfect will for our lives. Now take this clay into your hands and feel it with your thoughts. And when it's all said and done, let us all have an experience that we never had in your word before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to use PowerPoint and the word of God. You have your medical books with you? Let me see them. Who was here last night? Anybody was last night? We got a few folks. I hope you were richly blessed last night. I know I was even though that I was just the instrument. And so we're going to first go to the screen here and bring your attention. I'm, and we have entitled our series, Health, Hope, and Healing, because we come to the understanding that health is not just physical. Health is inclusive of physical, mental, and spiritual. And we need to understand that there's no greater gift than have the gift of health. I tell anybody, if you lose your health, somebody's going to spend your wealth. Mm. Hello out there. You can do whatever. Someone's going to spend your wealth. Are you with me? The role of health in the plan of redemption. That seems to be a contradictory kind of a title. Those of us who profess to be Christian and then that those who might be on the border. But there is an intimate relationship between health and salvation. Mm. You cannot separate the two. And when it's all said and done, you will have to agree with me or you just have to deny God's word. So if you get upset, get upset with God. I'm only the mailman delivering the mail. It might be money in the mail. It's up to you to open it. Amen? Amen? Keep this in mind. In the book of Psalms, and I'm just going to put a few scriptures because I don't want to put a lot of scripture on the screen because I want to put your, have your face in the book. And even if it's on the screen, you can turn to it. But let's read it together. What does it say up there? It says, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. The book of Psalms 67.2. I want you to understand... As we think together, God said, thy saving health to be made known. Let us just analyze this word saving, health and salvation. Look at that word salvation. We hear that word all the time. What does that word salvation mean? Give me, from the Bible, what does it mean? In the book of Matthew chapter 1, 21, you can turn there, the Bible says, you should call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Are you with me? Yeah. 
So salvation then means to be delivered from sin. Salvation means to be delivered from hatred. Salvation means to be delivered from adultery. Salvation means to be delivered from deceitfulness. Salvation means to be delivered from jealousy. Salvation means to be delivered from unforgiveness. Salvation means to be delivered from the very lust of the flesh. Mm. Does anybody need deliverance this morning? And so when we look at that word salvation, we take it another step further. Remove the A-T-I-O-N on it, you have the word what? So what do you do with that word? What does that word mean, sad? What do, come on, talk to me. Think with me. What do you use sad for? Not, not for scrubbing. It's for healing. Come on, think with me. You, you put a salve on and you help to heal. So when we look at the word salvation, the word salve, that simply means to heal. So the word salvation means to heal. Are you with me? God sent a doctor to this earth. Hello out there. That we might be healed. Because we were disconnected with the source of our life. And therefore sickness breathes the very air that we inhale. And there's not one person in the sound of my voice does not need healing. Some of us deny the healing. And coming to a place of worship is not just to be entertained and to be informed, but that we might be transformed. It's very important. We must take salvation serious. Three Ds I'd like to share as we move forward with the time we have. The gospel in three Ds. The first D is destination. What does the word destination mean? It is where you're going to end up. Are you following me? Please, you got to get this because if we're serious about walking on the sea of glass, we need to understand destination is where you're going to end up. Case in point, when I was in pursuit of, my, of this professional career as a basketball player, and as I shared last night, I was in college, I was diagnosed with a 10-year battle with crippling arthritis with, into rheumatoid arthritis. I was getting ready to be drafted in my junior year in the NBA. My condition became so excruciating severe, as I shared last night, the United States Army did not even want me. But I was obsessed and possessed with the destination to be one of the greatest basketball players that ever came out of the city of Chicago during the 60s and the 70s. I grew up in the inner cities, very poor home, eight children, and I'm the youngest out of eight. The next one to me is 12 years older than I am. Mom raised us without a father. Mothers cannot raise men, but they can also nurture them. And so my goal was to be this rich and famous basketball player to take my mother out of the ghettos and place her into, you know, nice home. We all love to take care of mother. Father was nowhere around because I didn't know who he was. And I remember, even in high school, my freshman year of trying out for the varsity team, there was over 50 young men, and I had a desire to make this team because it would become a precursor for my future. And I remember the coach telling me, telling the young man, he said, if you want to be a great basketball player, you must eat, sleep, and drink basketball. 
I made the team, number 23. I was elated when I got my uniform. And when the sun set, and in preparation to go to bed, instead of donning myself with my pajamas, I put on number 23. Brother Hudson, I went to bed in my uniform. I got up that next morning going to prepare for school. And my mother had a way to get your attention. Because if your leg was in the ambulance, she'd call you, pause. She said, boy, where are you going? I said, I'm going to prepare for school. She said, what do you have on? That was a rhetorical question to get me to think, brother. She knew what I had on. I said, I have my uniform on, preacher. She said, we don't sleep in uniforms. We sleep in pajamas. I said, Mom, well, the coach told me if I'm going to be a great basketball player, I must eat and sleep and drink basketball. She looked at me. She said, son, I'm glad you can't eat the basketball. But what he was trying to get you to understand that you might have a passion for what you believe in. When I went on to school with this excruciating pain, I had to take so much medication, so much treatment, just to spend an hour and a half on a basketball court. Because I had such a passion for that, pain was insignificant. Are you listening to me, folk? I want you to, I want you to translate this into your own life. That I rose above the pain because I had a destination to achieve. I remember when I was dating my bride from my side at the age of 17, she wanted to go off to places, and I would say, no, in the wintertime, I played basketball when it was rain. Now, this is not about basketball. This is an understanding that our destination, follow me, notice this next one, comes forth by the direction we take. I want you to listen to me. My destination is reached by the direction I take. So my destination determined my, des my direction. Anybody understand what I just said? That means if I was pursuing this corruptible crown, it determined the path that I went. That means I would not drink, I would not smoke, I would go to bed at a certain time. Are you following me? Because I knew those things would interfere in my accomplishment of the destination. Do one person understand where I'm going? Yeah. All right. The next one, then, when we understand the destination, let's go back. The destination is reached by the direction I take based on the decisions I make. Did you understand that? So my destination is reached by the direction I take predicated or based on the decisions I make. So that means every decision I make is in light of my destination. It simplified my life. There are certain things I would not do, and I don't have to pray about it, and I don't entertain it, because it would interfere with my destination. Amen. Hello out there. So if spending eternity with Jesus is my destination, every decision I make is in light of that. And I would not do anything, I don't care how good it looks, how good it sounds, and whatever is entertaining me, I would not do it because it's going to interfere with my destination. 
And some of you all need to understand that because you're making decisions not based on your eternal reality. You're based on the moment. We come to church every week. That don't mean you're going to be saved. Anybody with me so far? Excuse me for the redundancy. Our destination is reached by the direction I take based on the decisions I make. And many times that you and I are not interested really of giving all to God, but he's so gracious. I'm glad my mother had that one prayer, save the boy. When I was running from him trying to be rich and famous, God was in pursuit. People say, well, when I found Jesus, Jesus never been lost. Never been lost. Nobody finds Jesus. Are you with me, ladies and gentlemen? Nobody finds Jesus. Come on now, he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Are you following me? He came looking for Adam. He came looking for me. Now how he got me, he said, okay, since you won't just voluntarily give your heart to me, I'm just going to hit you where it hurts, in your knees. You won't be able to jump, dunk, shoot, no more. Because what I want to do is trade a basketball for a Bible. Instead of going up and down the hardwood court, I want to send you around the world court. Are you listening to me? And that's what he's going to do for you. You better listen to him. He might have to put you down. He might have, your, your setback might be a setup for your comeback. I'm serious. And therefore, God has a plan for you. Are you listening to me? He has a plan. He has a plan. And so, I, as I was growing up, my mother said, son, Jesus is coming soon. Here I'm 65 years old, two children, seven grandchildren, been walking this way for 35 years, and Jesus is not here. And when I gave my heart totally to God, I said, I know he's coming. Now my oldest grandson is 18 years of age, and I've been saying, I, don't not, I do not want to be a great-grandfather. Put, putting some hands on him, quickly. <laughs> and in the Bible, it says here in Psalms 102.16, when the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Now, that Bible tells me that God will come when he builds up Zion. Now, I read from a very inspired writer in a precious book called Christ Object Lessons. Some of our guests might not be familiar with that. Some in the church might not be familiar with that. But let me quote it anyway. It says here, when the character of Christ shall be what? Perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. God is not wait, waiting for more church buildings. He's not waiting for more people to fill the pews. He's waiting on to see his character in me. He's waiting to see a perfect reproduction of his character in Thomas Jackson. He's waiting to see can Jackson love like he loved. Hello out there. He's waiting to see can Jackson be faithful to his wife. Are you following me, ladies and gentlemen? And so we can sing and play money, what have you, which is good, but if we do not have that character, it would be consumed. God is looking for men and women that is true to principle as a needle to a pole. Men and women that cannot be bought by silver or gold. Are you listening to me? 
we find here two aspects to the plan of salvation, redeemed and restored. There's close to 7.8 billion people on planet Earth today. My question, have those 7.8 billion people been redeemed? I see yes, some don't, some hesitate. Think with me, think with me. When we understand redemption, 7.8 billion people, even here in lost wages, even here in Sin City, have they been redeemed? Well, because my time is limited, John 3, 16. God so loved Sin City. Come on, talk to me. Are you listening to me? 7.8 billion people have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Well, Jackson, what are you talking about? Well, redeem, it simply means to buy back. We've been stolen, been hijacked. Come on, talk to me. That was a ransom. And who gave himself for the ransom? Come on, you follow me? Every soul on planet Earth, human being, have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. That they themselves do not have to ex experience eternal death. Even this city has been redeemed. And that's all divinity part. The next phase, in light of that, is restored. 7.8 billion people have not been restored. God so loved me, he died the way I am. But he cannot take me to heaven the way I am. Make sense? There got to be some restoration. There got to be some radical changes. Anybody with me? So the restoration process, is, follow me now, is a cooperation between divinity and humanity. Do you get what I'm saying? That means that God needs your and my cooperation to bring about this process of restoration. We already been redeemed, but we have not been restored yet. Anybody follow me? That's why we cannot just come and sit and listen. There's a work to be done. Hmm. We find a wonderful book called Education, page 125. If someone have asked, what is the plan of redemption? Notice what it says. To restore in the human soul the image of God. Now, the little Sabbath school quarter was talking about that, but we're going to just make it very plain here. The very theme of the 66 books is God seeking to restore his image in Thomas Jackson. From Genesis to Revelation, every passage of Scripture is an intimation of God's plan for your life. And we cannot miss a beat on it. We cannot afford to. Let's take this quick journey then of the purpose of God. How many in here ever had their heart broken? Anybody? Come on, I know. How did, how, did it, how did it feel to have your heart broken? Oh man, I hear all those signs. They groaning. 
You remember salvation means to heal. Man, we just, just, the pastor said just to bring it in remembrance is a broken heart, break, break a heart. Pray for me that I would not hold you long, but how many have broken somebody's heart? I see honesty. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. You have a broken heart, and you have broken somebody's heart. That's one person that have experienced a broken heart that no human expression can paint a picture of the heart of this person that was broken. A person that has never broken anybody's heart. I want to read something. Those who think of the results of hastening or hindering the gospel think of it in relation to themselves hmm? and the world. What? It's happening to me. Few think of its relation to God. Few give thought to the suffering that sin has caused our creator. All heaven suffered in Christ's agony, but that suffering did not begin or end with his manifestation in humanity. The cross is a revelation to our dull senses of the pain that from his very inception sin has brought to the heart of God. This is going to be a thing. We're going to be quick with it, but I want you to understand this. Hopefully that it will give us a different perspective how we should serve God. Therefore, sin should not be just looked at in light of what it has done to me, but what has it done to the heart of God. Let's break it down to a human denominator. As I said, I've been married for 41 years, and I love my wife dearly. And so my, my, my whole passion is, is not to break her heart. I don't know if you got that. You, you, you ain't got that. You ain't got that. It goes on and says, every departure from the right, every deed of cruelty, every failure of humanity to reach his idea, brings grief to him. When there came upon Israel the calamities that were the sure results of separation from God, subjugation by their enemies, cruelty and death, it is said that his soul was grieved with the misery of Israel. Please think with me. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. Judges 10, verse 16. Isaiah 63, 9. Whose heart we are concerned with is not your heart. It's not my heart. It's God's heart. It's God's heart. The purpose of God in the creation of man. Turn with me to John 1. We won't read all the text. Put our face in the book. John chapter 1. Let's pick up at verse 1. This is a very central text. All of us should be very familiar with this. Father, just bless your word. Please, we get these just brief moments that you bring these thoughts to our hearts. In John chapter 1, verse 1, if you're there with me, let's read the verse 1 together. What does it say? In the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. Very important. And if you read on down, it says, and the word was what? Made flesh. Keep that in mind. So what was in the beginning? The word. And the word was what? And so therefore, when we think of the word, we think of the word was God. In the book of Genesis, we go back. In the beginning, the word. In the beginning, God. The word created the heaven and earth. So how did God do that? It's the word. Now, I want you to go with me to Psalms 33, 6. We're moving here. Psalms 33, 6. In the beginning was what? All right, and the word was with God. In the book of Psalms 33, you're going to see how the health ties into all of this. Psalms 33, verse 6 through 9. Are you there with me? I'll read in your hearing. Notice what it says. By the what? By the word of the Lord were what? The heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his what? Now look at verse 9. For he what? And it was what? He commanded and what? Now talk to me. How did God create all things? And by his what? Keep that in mind. So God said, let there be light. Let there be heaven and earth. And it was what? Done. All right. I want you to go with me to another text here. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35. Jot him down. How did God create all, how did God create heavens and earth? He spoke by his what? By his word. Now follow me. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 and 34. Matthew 12. The Lord is so good. He's, he's, I mean, he loves us. He's so patient with us. Notice what the Bible says. Are you there with me? Matthew chapter 12. I will read it in your hearing. I want you to follow me. Verse 34. Old generation of vipers. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? Now, I want you to notice these next few lines. For out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaketh. Right, I want you to repeat this with me. I want you to repeat the last part. For what? Let's read it again. For what? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaketh. Keep that in mind. Verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. I want you to understand now. The Bible says, out of the abundance of what? Of the heart. What happened? The mouth speaketh. All right? Keep this in mind. We find here, words are the expression of your heart. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Follow me. Words are an expression of your heart. Thoughts and feelings combined make up character. Let me give you an object lesson. The object lesson. My friend, if I use you, if I give you a tube of toothpaste, you follow me? And on a plate, I want you to just, when you go home, get some toothpaste, I want you to squeeze that toothpaste out of the tube. All the toothpaste onto the plate. That's easy. All right, now, the challenging things, my brother, I want you to take the toothpaste that you squeezed on the plate and put it back into the tube. Why? You know, I shared this with some young children, and they were trying to put the toothpaste, they opened it up, they cut it, they was trying, you can't do it. When words go out, you can't take it back. Come on, talk to me. 
but let's build a case on health. All right? We just read, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's why I've been married 41 years. I can say with clarity that even if my wife and I disagree, I would not express anger to her. I would not even show anger on the countenance of my face. Are you listening to me? Hello out there. <laughs> yeah, right. No, why? Because if God's word is in me, it's going to be expressed. I don't care how maybe she upset me or don't disagree with my words. My mother had a, was a woman of words. She beat you with words. I said, Mama, get a stick and beat me. No. <laughs> Are you listening to me? <laughs> words, preacher. All right. Almost, you with me? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What, do, what are you talking about, Jackson? You see, the same power that Christ exercised when he walked visibly among men is in his word. The same power. It was by his word that Jesus healed disease and cast out demons. By his word, he stilled the sea and raised the dead. And the people bore witness that his word was with power. He spoke the word of God as he has spoken to all the prophets and teachers of the Old Testament. The whole Bible is a manifestation of Christ. The scriptures are to be received as God's word to us, not written merely, but spoken. I'm setting you up for a big accomplishment. Follow me now. Follow me. So then what is character? I alluded to that earlier. Let's do it again. For if the what? Thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. Thoughts and feelings makes, combined makes up character. So character is a combination of thoughts and feelings. Follow me now. Therefore, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. Therefore, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So my destiny, his, my destiny is, only, is only reached based on the thoughts I possess. So thoughts produce action. Action repeated forms habits. Habits develop character. Character determines your destiny. If you lie, 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 you're a liar. That's your character. Your destiny, you're going to get caught. Come on, talk to me. Anybody with me? And so if I, now, you got, you got husband, wives, and children, and they acting all crazy. And so you are crying and whining and saying, they need to change. They cannot change their behavior. The thoughts must be changed. You say, oh, he's, he's, he's committing adultery. He need to stop committing adultery. He cannot, because his thoughts is adulterous. Come on, talk to me. So you could be praying all day long until that man is born again. <laughs> oh, I wish my children loved the Lord. They can't love the Lord unless they're born again. And if you're not born again, they won't be born again. You can send out, and I appreciate the school, but the point is, school and churches don't take the place of a home. The school is not the mother or the policeman. 
It's the home. If the home is wrong, everything going to be wrong. If you're having craziness in the church, it's craziness in the family. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. My, I'm 65. I don't know how long I'm My life is simple. I don't need no conflict resolutions. You'd be born again. <laughs> Making decisions based on certain circumstances. Argue with the pastor, argue with... When you come to the Word, show me the Word. That's how you make decisions. The decision you make, can you back it up in the Word? If you can't back it in the Word, get rid of it. I don't argue. I have, I have a ministry. I, don't, I tell my staff, look, you got a problem? Bring me the Word. <laughs> I don't fight nobody. If you can't get in the Word, then don't come talk to me. Don't give me your opinions. Don't say, well, I need to do this. Show me in the Word. It has nothing to do with personality. My heart is wicked, deceitful. Who can trust it? Give me, I need the word. Every decision I make, I need the word. Who I'm going to marry, I need the word. What job I'm going to take, I need the word. Entertainment, I need the word. That's why you're having heart problems and, and, and autoimmune diseases. I'm serious. The word. Why? Because destination is reached by the direction we take based on the decisions we make. Therefore, this whole process starts at a thought level. Keep this in mind. We're moving now. So the wonders of God's creation. So the Bible says, out of the abundance of God's heart, the mouth, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speak it. So when God said, let there be light, let there be sun, he was speaking from his heart. So the wonders of his glory all creation expresses the character of God. We find here, when we behold the whole solar system, the galaxy, we are only one part of a billion galaxies. There's billions of galaxies, and here in Las Vegas, we are a speck in a billion galaxies, but God has his hand on this speck. The flower, when you see a flower, the beauty, it expresses the beauty of God. It expresses the tenderness of God. It expresses the very fragrance of God. All the creation is a revelation of God's character. But when you get to the book of Psalms, chapter 8, verse 3 to 6, when I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. God said all of these billions of galaxies and this dark planet Earth that I visit and I put someone on this planet to look like me. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visit him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. You know man was the crowning act of God's six days creation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, just upon it was the icing on the cake, a vegan cake. <laughs> just want to make sure. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Now, let's come down to the second half and see can we wrap this up. Out of the heart, the abundance of the mouth speaketh. God, now follow me. You already know this, nothing new. 
God did not speak man into existence. Mm -mm. God personalized his created work. Let us, L-O-M, make man in our image according to our likeness. Hmm. The Bible tells me in Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, formed, and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Therefore, God took dirt. Now, if you walk around here with your head up, and thank you, somebody, you ain't nothing but dirt. You ain't nothing but dirt. So dirt can't talk about dirt. Follow me now. So God took dirt and formed man out of the elements. And those in animated and organic matter, God then took his life. Mm -mm, that was not oxygen, brother. That was not the Holy Spirit, sister. It was the life of God because Psalms 27.1 says in him, he's the fountain, he's, we have life and life. So God put his life into that dirt. His life. And man became a living soul. What does it mean to make man in our image? Above all lower orders of being, God designed man, the crowning work of his creation, should express his what? Thoughts and reveal his what? So God said, I'm making man in my image. Now, when you look at this word image, turn with me to Genesis chapter 6 very quickly. We're moving on. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Let me read it in your hearing. God, let's, see, let's get a definition of this word image very clearly. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, notice what the Bible says. And, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Now, follow me now. That every what? Imagination of what? Of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, look at that word imagination. It's an associated with the word thoughts. And look at the word imagination. You'll find the word image in that word imagination. So the word imagination deals with the thoughts. Is that all right? So when God said, let us make man in our image, he was saying, let us make a man with a mind like our mind. Did you get that? So when God created Adam, God created Adam with a mind like his mind. The purpose for us having this physical casket called a body was to house the thoughts of God. It was not for me to play basketball. It was not for me to play football. My body becomes a house for the thoughts of God. Mm. You ain't getting this. You ain't getting this. Because out of the abundance of the heart, follow me now, we move on. It says, now, turn with me to Genesis 2.19, and then you'll see on the screen, it says, now, when God created this new creation called human beings, you know that's un other unfallen worlds. Yes. You know that. Yes. Oh, we, well, say, I'm looking forward to having one of those planets. Right. You, you don't get that, do you? You talk about want to be a superstar on this earth, want to be a business. When God said, if you're faith in that which is least, you're going to be faith in much, I'm going to trust you with something greater. Do you know the redeemed, those who are redeemed, especially those who are translated, going to be entrusted with planets? They will be teaching angels that's never fallen. 
Do you understand that? Oh, you don't get that. You don't understand. That's why we're not excited about eternity. Talk about running a race, flying, you don't need no wings. Talk about education, PhDs. Come on, talk to me. When angels never fall and they're looking into the mysteries of God and those of us who have been degraded for 6,000 years, God going to exalt them and they will teach angels that's never fallen. And you talk about you want to start a business before Jesus comes. We put in Vaughn and all those out of business. Young man, whatever your pursuit and thinking terms, eternity has something great for you. It's not a spirit you're floating around with. It is a body. And the things that we don't understand, you talk about computers, Mac, setback Mac. We're talking about God has created us with a mind like his mind. I pursued a course in engineering. I love math. I did radio math, trigonometry, all that kind of stuff. We did not have computers. We had pen and paper right. and a slide ruler. Right. I got great nieces, nephews, and I remember one of my great nieces I was visiting, very intelligent young lady. I said, what's your favorite subject? She said, math. I said, that's your uncle's favorite subject. I said, can I give you a, a, a word problem? Can I, you know, I asked her what level she was on. She told me. I said, can I give you a problem that you can fix? She said, sure, uncle, sure, give me, give me. So I wrote it down, and she looked at it, and she ran out. I said, what did I do? <laughs> then she came back with a computer. I said, we can't do that. She said, that's what my teacher been teaching us, how to use computer to solve math. Where's your mind? Where's your mind? Just to add two and two, we got to get a computer. Young people, I don't care how excited your computer are. All it's doing, I'm not knocking computer, all it's doing is destroying your ability to think the way God designed you to think. The Bible goes on, we only got 10 minutes here. Now follow me, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 19, are you holding on just, I'm, I'm almost there. I hear your stomach growling, God bless those stomachs. <laughs> I don't know about you all. You all need to love Jesus, but I don't want to hold you. When God created this new creature called man, he said, now I got to see does the product function according to the specification of the design. So he said, okay, Adam, I'm going I'm to bring all these animals. I'm just going to bring them before you. Notice what the Bible says. Now, I want you to think with me now. It says, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. Follow me now. And brought, I want you to listen, and brought them unto Adam to do what? Now, this is a King James. To see, I want you to listen. Every word is so significant. To see what he will what? called them, and whatsoever Adam called every living, every living creature, that was the name thereof. Hmm. Let's see. Therefore, antelope. Adam said, antelope. God said, that's good. But that's what I would have called it. God said, Adam, Adam said, elephant. God said, that's good. That's what I would have called it. Adam said, leopard. 
God said, that's good, but that's what I would have called it. Adam said, geese. God said, that's good. That's what I would have called it. Adam said, eagle. I can just imagine. I'm only a mere six feet, six inches tall. And I can imagine in 6,000 years of creation, the eagle wingspan probably about five times my height. Because Adam was close to 17 feet tall, weighed 2,500 pounds. Come on, talk to me. Talking about Shaq O'Neal. <laughs> when the two Adams going to meet, when the two Adams going to meet, Christ above all, the second Adam will come and fall on the shoulder of that first Adam. And they're going to sing a duet. Come on, talk to him. You ain't getting that. We made, oh man, isn't he tall? Isn't he great? Oh, uh, look at my Savior. And people say, you're so tall. I said, no, we all have sin and fallen short of God's glory. He said, eagle. God said, that's good. That's what I would have called it. Adam said, well. God said, that's good. That's what I would call it. All day long, all these animals are parading before Adam. Now, here's a question. I know you're already with me. Did Adam give those animals names? I'm sweating all this now. Y'all still ain't getting it. I got 10 minutes. Think with me. Think with me. Who is God? Okay, follow me now. Did Adam give these animals name? It could be yes or no. I don't. Somebody say yes. Somebody say no. We got a divided house. All right, let's move on because my time is moving. Let's move on. In the book, follow me. You can turn down to it. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things who brings out their hosts by number. Follow me now. He what? Who is he? Who is he? God. Let's put it. God calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Adam did not name the animals. Adam was only reflecting the mind of his creator. Are you listening to me? Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Therefore, Adam's mind was in harmony with God's mind. When your mind is in harmony with God's mind, you got to do what God say. Come on, talk to me. You're going to have to live a certain way. The problem is not the appetite and diet. The problem is getting the mind. When you got the mind of Jesus, you're going to eat right. <laughs> you're going to think, hello out there. Anybody with me? Therefore, the heart of God. The Bible points us to the heart of God. Hmm? We find God's heart is in the word of God. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. It points us to the pathway of God. The Bible says, Thou have seen the goings, O God, even the goings of my God in the sanctuary. The Bible tells us, and let them make me a sanctuary, that thou may dwell among them according to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make. God wants to dwell in our hearts. The Bible tells me, Jesus Christ is the expression of the heart of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, the Bible says, a body has thou prepared me. 
Are you following me? When Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago, he was the expression of the thoughts of God. People saw God's thoughts on two legs. People saw God's thoughts with two arms. God is a spirit. Therefore, God wrapped his thoughts in flesh, in blood, in people. Saw God. Thoughts. That's what Las Vegas got to see in this church. They just not attracted because you look good, dress good. They got to see the very thoughts of God manifest in flesh. When you go out and touch somebody and minister to somebody, not just sitting here being entertained. Follow me. We're almost there. Are you with me so far? Follow me now. The Bible says here, what speech is to thought, so is Christ to the invisible Father. So Christ was the manifestation of the thoughts of God. Huh? Behold the Lamb of God which take away the sins of God. That was God's heart being poured out. The book of life, the lamb slain from the foundation of the word of God. We find that Christ was an expression of God's heart, that he loves us so much. Without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sin. God, thoughts, was there on Calvary. Hmm? The lamb, follow me now. We find here, you said you had a broken heart. Your heart has never been broken like Jesus' heart. Never been broken like Jesus' heart. Never. The law of God is the expression of God's heart. How you know? Remember, God, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaking. How did God give the law? He spoke it, and God wrote the law with his own finger. So when he was writing, he was expressing his thoughts. So the Ten Commandments is an expression of the heart of God. Ooh, are you listening to me? If you break the Ten Commandments, you break God's heart. And the devil is a heartbreaker. And the goal of the devil is to bring pain to the heart of God. And we find the holy law. We find God said, remember the Sabbath because it's an expression of my heart. The Sabbath is at the heart of God's law. When you dishonor the Sabbath, you break God's heart. Hello out there. The Sabbath is at the heart of God. If you love me, what? Hello? It goes on and says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. God said, if you love me, don't break my heart. Don't break my heart. Let's close out here. Three temples. Let's close out. As you study the word, we find there's a temple in heaven. You agree with that? Yeah. There was a temple on earth. Then the other temple is the body temple. The temple in heaven, we read that in the book of Hebrew. We read that in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. The temple on earth, follow me now, man is an expression of the heart of God. Did you agree with that? So when God made man in his image, it was an expression of his heart. Follow me. Your body and my body, they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You agree with that? Follow me now. We are to be an expression of the heart of God. In Romans 12, the Paul said, I beseech ye therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your bodies a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. What does it say? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. It says here, and be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Why do we need a renewed mind? That we might be able to prove what is what? 
is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Without a renewed mind, we cannot discern the will of God. That's what it says, that I might dwell in them, the heart of God. We find here, God says, the law in our mind. Read it, Hebrews 8.10. God said, I'm going to put my law, where? In your mind. Revelation chapter 7, verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. God said, I want to seal you in your forehead. Character. What does it mean to seal? The Father's name. That's what it means. Name and glory represents what? Character. God wants to write his character in our hearts. Huh? That we can see him face to face. Revelation 24. Notice this. The forehead. The forehead. This is very clear as you, as you come down. When it talks about the forehead, that's the frontal lobe. Anybody with me so far? We're almost there. The frontal lobe, notice what it says. That's where we have judgment and reasoning. Here, right here. This front brain, notice what it says here. It goes on and says that scientific study shows that the frontal lobe is the seat of spirituality, morality, and the will. If you have frontal lobe damage, you cannot make moral decisions. And I work with a lot of people that's frontal lobe damage. Follow me now. We find this is where the battle is fought. With the mind, I serve the law of God. Hmm? It's the great controversy. If the devil controls your thoughts, he controls your destiny. Our bodies, nothing but a house for God's thoughts. I want you to notice this. It says the brain. Now, here we are. Follow me now. The brain nerves, which communicate with the entire system, are the only medium through which heaven can communicate to man and affect his inmost life. How does heaven communicate with us? Come on, talk to me. We're almost there. What? Through our brain nerves. Notice what it says. Whatever disturbs the circulation of the electric currents in the nervous system lessen the strength of the vital powers and the result is the deadening and the sensibility of the mind. If the brain is destroyed, we cannot render service to God. Notice here, what you're saying, Jackson, we find here the human brain, the human brain, huh, weighs something like three pounds, 20 to 25% oxygen, 80% water, 10 billion nerve cells. Each nurse, if there's not a computer on the face of the earth, can record 86 million bits of information every day of our lives. Million can hold one, memory can hold 100 trillion bits of information in a lifetime. We find every second your brain forms at least 1,000 different chemicals reactions, which in turn creates thoughts, emotions, and actions. We find it is said that if someone to build a computer to match the capabilities of the human mind, brain, the housing unit would have to be three times the size of the Empire State Building. It would need all the energy of Niagara Falls to power it, while it would take all the waters of Niagara to cool it, and it would utilize all the electronic circuitry of all the radio television stations in the world. You can't find a, a computer that can match the brain, huh? Here's Here's the punch. The brain is the organ and instrument of the mind because there's the difference between the brain and the mind. The brain 
is the organ and instrument of the mind and controls the whole body. In order for the other parts of the system to be healthy, what need to be healthy? And in order for the brain to be healthy, here we are, the blood must be what? If I correct what? Uh, what? And what? The blood is kept what? The brain will be properly nervous. Does it make a difference what we eat and drink? Because the brain is the house that controls the mind. For the brain to be healthy, the blood must be pure. For the life of the flesh is where? In the blood. So read this with me. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, even what you see, what you hear affects the brain. Do all to what? Jesus says here, to accommodate his dwelling. This morning, my brothers and sisters, I'm more sure that I want to be a house for God. I want to be an expression of God. It says, can you and I offer him a place to dwell? Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Why is at the door on the other side? Because we got television and computers and Facebooks, you know, people spend over, I mean, the average amount of time on Facebook, and I'm not knocking all that, but it's 700 billion hours. If Facebook was ranked as a nation, it would be the third nation in the world. We spend almost an average of 27 lifetime on Facebook, but we don't put our face in this book. We don't put our face in this book. Living sacrifice, God said. The created energy that calls the worlds into existence, ladies and gentlemen, is in the word of God. So as we go through these series of meetings, and I know many are definitely feel like this is not imperative. Every time God moves upon the church for calling to hear the word of God, everything should stop to hear the word of God. There's nothing on this earth that can be compared to eternity. Because ladies and gentlemen, we find God created you and I for his glory. I learned that 60-some years ago, more, that it's not about sports, it's not about singing, it's about glorifying God. This morning, God is asking for somebody, and that's why I want to make an appeal this morning to you and I, because God says he created you, he created me to reveal his glory. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Bible tells me that the rib, when he created that woman from the rib, follow me now, when he created that woman from the rib, from a medical perspective, from a physiological perspective, the rib protects the heart. Eve was a type of the church. Adam was a type of Jesus. God said to the woman, protect the heart of your husband and he will take care of you. When we take it to another level, when God brings us into the truth, Jesus is asking me to protect his heart. Whatever I do, it need to be done in light of this reality. Is this going to break the heart of God? 
Can you ask yourself that question? Is this going to break the heart of God? God has an invitation. How many, anybody here this morning, including myself, want to stop breaking God's heart? Anybody? I'm, I, want you, I want you to pray before you answer that. I want you to pray before you answer that. I'm speaking first to the God's church. Ladies and gentlemen, time is short. I mean, we can see the signs of the time. You know, I live in Tennessee, and I tell you, when it go to 75 degrees in January, one day, then it go down to zero the next day. And, we, and people start undressing, and they glorify that. That's good, but we don't understand that even nature is moaning and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Morality has come down to zero. There would never be peace in the Middle East. There would, never, there would not be a one world government. The only one world government that's God going to set up. This morning, I'm more confirmed that I want to live to bring joy to the heart of God. And I guarantee you that when you do that, the problems in the family, the problem in the church, the problem you're facing, I don't care what it is, even if it's finances, if you, if you be be cognizant of the fact I want to please God in my finances and everything else. Watch God bring it to pass. So this morning, my first appeal is to God's church. Let's stop playing church. Let's stop playing church. Let's glorify God. Again, is there somebody in God's church this morning who just want to stand and say, Lord, today, I don't have grace, but you have grace. I want to commit myself to learn how to bring joy to your heart. If there's one person, two persons this morning who just want to take a stand for the Lord because God, see, it's nothing wrong with that because the fact is when we do that, God, heaven, follow me now, God, heaven, take notice of this. Heaven, take notice of this. Why? Then guess what God does from his throne of glory? God dispatch angels that excel in strength. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But one thing about my God, he give us grace. Amen. This morning, as God's people took a stand,